Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the club. club. What? We did it. <laughs> Welcome we... to the club. <laughs> the first episode of this crazy idea that started like only a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was, I think, three weeks ago. <laughs> so we're doing it. Um, all right. So let's kick it off. What are we doing here? Good, good question. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> this is like life in the time of COVID-19. It's very current. It's very relevant. Our emotions are a little raw, but... I think we just wanted to be in a place where we felt like we could share something with other designers who are experiencing so many new things, but so many regular everyday things as part of their business. Yeah. And I just think we needed an uplifting project that we could do from our homes, even though it. we can't like go anywhere. So a podcast was a perfect opportunity to just chat with each other, record it, and hopefully be helpful. Totally. I, I, I'm i not going to claim to be the expert about anything unless I really feel like I am, but I feel like there's something that we have to share with other designers, even if it is just a shoulder to cry on sometimes. <laughs> a virtual shoulder. <laughs> yeah, don't touch me right now. <laughs> Six foot away shoulder. Self-quarantine. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so this week, what are we talking about? I wanted to just, like, share. I wanted to share how we know each other, a little bit about each of us, our design businesses, how we're helping our interior design clients. Um, I think we each have our own unique journey and experiences that we've had that have led us to working in interior design. Um, and I think it's funny to hear how such different paths still ended up in one place. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So this is just going to be kind of our kickoff or intro to who we are and who we think we are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All of our delusions in one place. Okay. Um, oh, my heater just turned on, of course. All right, so every week I want to make sure we're kind of celebrating little things. And also, Sean and I tend to be, have a, um, the ability to complain to each other, which we, I think we do a good job of alternating in our normal days. Like, okay, here's the bad thing that happened today, but let's find the bright side. So Absolutely. we're going to do a little thing called the, our weekly fizzle and sizzle. So Sean, what's your fizzle sizzle of the week? So my fizzle is something that really brought me down this week. Um, the fizzle is that nearly every client project has moved to a standstill, um, which is just the nature of the beast right now. I'm trying to remind myself that... Uh, I'm fortunate that the projects are still there and that clients need time to themselves, that contractors need time, vendors need time. I don't mind having more time to work on things, but it also means that I am just staring at projects and psychoanalyzing them a little bit too much. So that was that's the fizzle for this week. The sizzle, something that is making me kind of happy and excited, I bought a freaking hat. <laughs> and you guys don't understand that, like, I don't normally wear a lot of hats. Um, and I always feel like the uncool kid when I'm around other designers or, like, hip Los Angeles people who have their, like, wool hats or their felt hats on. And so this week I bought one from uh, a local Long Beach company. It's called Yellow 108. And they're not paying me to say this. 
although they certainly could if they felt like it, but um, there I've thought about just like, who could I support that's local, that's cool, and finally pull the trigger on something that makes me feel cool, um, even when I'm not. So yeah, I'm going to wear the, the shit out of this hat in my house. <laughs> well, I think it looks really cool. And it's also a nice um, addition to that no haircut life we're living right now. <laughs> that is legit. Um, I, I'm not going to pull a Britney Spears and cut my own hair, but it, it might get desperate in a couple more weeks here. I don't know yet. We'll see. I wish I wore my hat. My hat is, it looks very similar, but it's my grandpa's old hat that I always wear. But now I kind of want a new one to freshen up. Okay, well, my fizzle. <laughs> okay, I don't, did we say clearly? So we are at the end of March, 2020, as we speak. Yes. So all you people in the future, we don't know what's gonna happen yet. <laughs> Next so week is a whole different situation. Every day seems to be a new situation. So we're at two weeks of um, full quarantine in California here. And um, I don't know, it's hard to pinpoint a fizzle when so much stuff is just hitting the fan. Um, I had a pretty low point the other day where I was just really struggling to like do anything. So yeah, my fizzle was just, it's kind of like, the heaviness of life right now but pulling through and pulling out um scheduling things having stuff like this to look forward to and having um zoom talks with friends is really really helpful word my sizzle which might also be sean's fizzle is <laughs> that the one room challenge was postponed so spring orc was supposed to start in april uh, or April 1st, it's now postponed to May 6th. So that bought me a little bit of time that I needed to get a few more things buttoned up. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's just dis like disruptive to have to move that whole timeline for everybody involved in the one room challenge, but there's just not enough time to get everything done when you can't see people, talk to people, depend on stuff getting shipped and delivered right now and it's just not safe to be out trying to source for a project regardless of whether it's for you or whether it's for a client right now yeah and my one room challenges i always do with my dad like he's kind of my contractor basically <laughs> but we've been um isolating so i haven't seen him in a couple weeks and i was just starting to freak out like how I was actually going to do it. So hopefully this gives us time to get the world back on track and make it happen properly. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to celebrate the sense of relief that comes with that totally. sizzle of just knowing that, oh my God, like you're not having to stress about you installing these new closets or carpentry or who knows what else he I mean he kind of does a lot for you he does a lot and this is the first time that we're the, a feature designer which I think we'll be talking about this a little bit in a future episode but yeah it's really exciting but really like a lot more eyeballs will be on this so yeah I can't be doing my own carpentry it's just not gonna happen not, no, the heat is on, um, and not to say that there are not plenty of other participants who don't do their own work, but I am not one of those designers who wants to DIY all of it myself. I have no problem bringing in help if I need to. So that, that'd be good for us to talk about on some other episodes where we can plan to share some more about that. Yes. So I think we talked about why we're doing the podcast, but let's talk about our how we met story yes um it's truly like a romance for the modern age <laughs> totally instagram <laughs> you just slid right into my dms legit i we were following each other around the fall 2019 one room challenge um I don't know if you stumbled upon my posts from it or if it was the other way around. Do you even remember who found each other first? 
No, I, I kind of feel like you started commenting on my stuff, but I I might I might have done that. I follow but, a lot of people. I follow yeah. a lot of designers. Exactly, but yeah, it it just went from there of reacting to each other's stories or posts or reading our progress on that. Um, but I was hand painting all of my own wainscoting for my laundry room makeover for that one room challenge. And so when I saw that you were starting to install wainscot for yours, I had a meltdown on your behalf because it was painstaking work. Um, I could not have imagined your wainscot, which was a little more complicated to paint, having to do that by hand. Yeah, so you gave me the hot tip of getting a paint sprayer, which I hadn't really considered, but I was freaking out about how I was going to paint all the, like, they're like eighth inch deep grooves in our um, paneling that Impo I did in my bathroom. Impossible, impossible to get. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I was just imagining this nightmare of like a teeny tiny paintbrush and making, <laughs> doing like four coats. Like an so... art brush with four little hairs on it. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, times one million boards. <laughs> so yeah, I hot stepped over to Lowe's and picked up a sprayer and yeah, then I, then you had my trust. Yeah. Well, I've got your back. I There's no reason that we need to stress out about things when there's a solution out there. And I think that's maybe why we wanted to continue to bring this like in the podcast to others. It's like, we just don't know what we don't know. And if someone can warn me off of a scary path, I am all for that. And in your case, the scary path was hand painting wainscoting. Yeah, yeah, I think we do share a lot of cautionary tales with each other just in our daily communication. Yes. So we'll be doing a lot of that, especially Absolutely. if one of us have experienced the wrong way of doing things. Oh, man. We won't, we, I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer about it, but we will legit be mixing those in throughout the podcast. Well, we make mistakes. Everybody does. So we want everyone else to make different mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And then after we, after we started talking and keeping up with each other on Instagram, um, it wasn't, I mean, this is only like a few months apart, like the fall one room challenge in 2019, you know, was in October. And then we met in person at Las Vegas market in January of 2020, like this year. Um, like two months ago. <laughs> and I was like, just posting about, never. I was just posting of like, I'm going, who else is going? Because I wanted to meet people there. And it was awesome to get to almost like time our flights to arrive. You from Sacramento and me from Los Angeles getting there within an hour of each other. So we could just catch a ride over to the market. We met at the airport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was very like... um kind of mail order friend <laughs> it's like 90 day design friend 90 day design fiance <laughs> yeah um, and the rest is history because I think there has not been a single day that has gone by since then without us checking in on each other checking our timelines holding each other accountable asking if something is crazy or weird um and sometimes stuff is still crazy and weird and you just want someone else to tell you it is yes and like me freaking out about different decisions i had to make around one room challenge stuff yeah it's crazy i um had a meeting i don't think i told you this may at a therapy appointment a few weeks ago before i was in lockdown and i was telling her about you and that we were planning this podcast and she's kind of got like a um she doesn't say this but she's very intuitive and I feel like she okay. has some like mediumship to her but she's like hmm like I wonder if you guys were connected in the past life like the way that oh. you connected so quickly it seems like you guys knew each other in another life which kind of feels Ooh. like could be that could be there. 
And my, yeah. Like my husband says constantly how happy he is that I connected with you and talk with you. And part of that might be just because he was tired of me coming to him to talk about design related <laughs> questions or to um, sort of like unload um, or unpack thoughts at the end of the day where he was like, I don't have anything to say or to add to this. I'll just listen and be your sounding board. So um, I'm taking the design grenade for him? Sometimes, some days we do. <laughs> yeah. I, that is true. And Happy to. We, we, I do not have um, anyone else, and we'll talk about this, but I am working on my own. I am a solopreneur. I do almost everything by myself. So I rely on other local designers and designers that I've, you know, built relationships with to help keep me rational and thoughtful and also to challenge myself to to encourage me to go, could you just push that a little bit further? Or what's the next idea? Um, I don't want to be complacent or play it safe. And I feel like when you are your only influence, it's so easy to just fall into what feels safe and comfortable, especially right now. Or you, like I find myself, um, like you help me, like that phrase of killing your darling. Like I find myself falling in love with a certain thing that ultimately is just not working for the overall plan. Uh -huh. And I have to like, just let that thing go. Cause it's holding everything up. Like nothing's working because I'm in love with one little aspect of a design that just needs to move on. Needs to go. Sometimes kill, it just kill it. It just, as designers, we love so many things and I'm constantly finding myself looking at things and it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to buy it and put it in my house or that I'm going to try it with a client, but I just go, man, that worked and it's great. And then sometimes for you, I know that you're just like, I would love to do this in my own house somewhere, but it's just, it's not in this place or this room or at this time um, or at this budget. <laughs> Mostly that. <laughs> so, like something's just gotta go. I mean, I, you gotta take off one or two accessories usually. That's usually no, that's my problem. Right. You gotta edit. Okay. What's next on our <laughs> agenda? I I'm fascinated by the journeys that we each took to get to where we are today. And I think it shares a different perspective from maybe what's being, what gets talked about a lot. Um, and just to like put this all out there, um, I'm, I'm 35, like, and I don't have any qualms about being 35, but I definitely did not start my journey as an 18 year old college student studying interior design and then jumping in the deep end when I got out of school. And I think, your journey is also different from that. Um, so why don't, like you told me some of it in our taxi ride over to Las Vegas market, like after meeting 30 <laughs> minutes before that. So um, I know that you're not, you're not secretive about how you got where you are today. And I think that the listeners no. would love to hear some of that too. Yeah, so like, the high level overview. I don't think we necessarily said this. So I live in Northern California in Sacramento with my husband and my five-year-old daughter. Um, yeah, this is definitely my second career. Um, in early 2017, I co-owned a marketing and creative agency that had seen some success here and it just and it on paper i loved it but like something in my soul was like dying like creatively speaking or all of the things i don't know i mean i was i think it was still like a little bit of a postpartum like hangover um that but the more the company grew, I think my creative role kind of like became a little bit muddied and less needed. Um, it was more about like selling and 
supporting the company. I mean, not it's not a negative thing. It was just not keeping you're me like excited. the lady boss mm -hmm. instead of getting to be hands-on with the i mean not the fun parts but the fun parts yeah so that kind of like fizzled out there's i have a few blog posts that i wrote pretty pretty vulnerably about that time on my blog um but yeah so i came to a place where i just had to make a decision and I basically it was time to go and um, I actually had I don't know why I'm talking about this twice now but I had consulted a medium <laughs> who <laughs> was really you're drawing a lot from the spiritual realm right now I am. just in the state of the world maybe but you or this is going to be a ghost hunter show and people didn't know that when <laughs> no, they when my... they clicked on it I see a ghost in here in my room in this room. Um, yeah, so she, I consulted with her just when I was in this just real low point and just like freak out. And she knew uh, me and my business partner and pretty well. And she um, just said, "It's you got to go." And I was like, "Well, yeah, maybe in like a year, but let's like." let's feel it out and put some goals in place. She's like, no, you have to leave within the month. And Whoa. I freaked out. Wait, did out. you do that? Yeah. Well, because I didn't do it because she told me to, but when she said it, it was like the answer I'd not been looking at that I already knew. So she basically just substantiated or like helped me bring Affirmed those thoughts it. yeah and like willingness to look at it like I had no plan b how so, old was your company at that point eight eight years gosh yeah so that's hard to walk away from or not walk painful. you didn't you didn't just like ditch it walk away from it but it's hard to admit that it's time to move away from that yeah, my whole identity was wrapped up in this. Everyone knew me as part of this company. Um, I had, you know, a lot, most of my social life was somehow related to it. Um, tons of my contacts and things that I did. So that was huge um, and very painful. I lost a lot of relationships, especially with my partner, my business partner. Um, so I basically took six months to just reflect and figure it out. And the first thing that came up was interior design. I've always done it. I've always loved it. I was definitely the kid that rearranged her room every couple months. My parents let me do really crazy stuff <laughs> like a checkerboard 3D perspective um, wall painting on my wall cool dig up a photo of that yeah it was very 1988 um <laughs> but that's what i just kind of knew that was my only option i'd been doing a little we had just bought this house and i'd been already working on things and sharing so i took a um, semester of a few classes and just started doing it it was terrifying i took a free unpaid internship at a, in a showroom with interior designers, learned a lot, um, but it's been a journey. So it's been officially two years, two, two years since I launched Studio Plum. And that to like anybody out there, I'm sure can relate that those first two years are agonizing and invigorating and exciting and frightening and overwhelming and like the whole bucket of feelings all at the same time. I'd never had my name on anything. Um, the agency wasn't our names and I always was able to kind of like hide behind a business partner and not put my own self out there. This was me doing that. So launching this business, I mean, I had to go to tons of therapy meditate, like do all these things to be able to even hang my shingle and say I was doing this. 
tons of imposter syndrome, tons of fear, but this feels right now. It's, there's so much in what you're saying that I identify with in like my own experience coming into design, um, particularly when, when you're talking about being, being in a career, no, it's knowing it's not right, but needing other people to tell you it's not right, or, or looking for other people to give you that affirmation that it's not right, because um, my first career was in banking. And I, I look back on growing up, like I was the artsy kid, I was doing craft projects or artistic projects constantly. I was super imaginative, always trying to do something different. As I got older, I was arranging furniture in my house or making suggestions to my mom or helping her decorate our homes. My bedroom was the coolest bedroom in the house. I had at one moment, it turns out now I know it's like this very Moroccan influence thing, but I had no idea that's where it was coming from. But I mean, this was sort of all happening in my youth around the birth of HGTV. Like HGTV started in the mid nineties. And mm -hmm. I have vivid memories of watching Christopher Lowell um, on, on TV. And he was like, I look back now and it's almost a caricature of what like a gay designer um, was or was like. He was like a little bit sassy and kind of tongue in cheek about stuff um, and super ahead of, I don't know, the cultural awakening for, for gay people in the media. And mm -hmm. it was never, I don't even think they ever, ever said anything on HGTV at that time of like, he's gay. Um, so really a trailblazer from that standpoint of all these like, I don't know, housewives mostly probably inviting this like GBF, this gay best friend into their <laughs> house to like help them DIY a project or like how to hang draperies and all of this stuff. And um, almost like the birdcage of designers. Like. He was sassy, right? Like I, yeah. I definitely watched the Christopher Lowell show. I'm just trying to remember like what the format was. And um... he had different segments. He would do sort of like the, you're just going to paint it like, and he would show like a faux painting technique and they would bring out the board. And now it's almost adapted. There's a lot to of when DIY see... stuff, yeah. Exactly, and you see okay. like segments like that now. Like, I mean, Nate Burkus parlayed that in the same time frame um, to doing segments on TV or short how-to things for news channels or daytime TV or other stuff like that. But Christopher Lowell had the whole show about it to himself, and of course, I'm ignoring that there are tons of other influences on HGTV at that moment. But that really stands out to me and. Um, I took extra art classes in high school. I was um, a super nerd on the yearbook staff. I was an editor uh, of the yearbook, um, which was really graphically appealing because you're using software to create these like page flows. And um, I just started to feel like there was no future that would pay well in creative fields. And so, I was going to school studying um, business administration, you know, like every other, so many millions of other students out there who were told that this is like the thing to study so I could make money um, because I felt like creative couldn't support me. And I, at the same time, got a job as a teller uh, for a bank. And I stayed at the bank for 13 years. I was a teller, a teller supervisor, a manager um, at the branches. I worked, I went to learning and development, which was probably almost like my second career within that because I worked in a training center environment and helping to coach um, mid to senior level leadership. Um, and then I went on to work in 
wealth management for the bank. And there was nothing so soul crushing as helping the 1% of like uber millionaires maintain and grow their wealth. And to feel like I wasn't doing anything that was going to help myself. And I don't want to sound ungrateful for that career because I learned so much about project management and coordination and how to talk to high-end clientele. And um, during that time frame, when I was in those last couple of roles at the bank, I knew that I could not stay there forever, that it would be soul crushing for me to be 65, 70, retiring from a job like that and knowing that I had never done something for me. So in that sense, I am right on the verge of millennial butterflies or unicorns where there was a quote, um, it's a quote by Buckminster Fuller where he says, the minute you choose to do what you really want to do, it's a different kind of life. And that was my like light bulb moment of I want a different kind of life for myself. And so I went back to school to study interior design and I worked full time and went to school part time. I, in one of the most scary things that we can talk about on another episode was that moment of transition where I quit a 13 year career at 32 years old to become an intern for a high-end luxury interior designer here in Los Angeles. That was frightening for my husband and I to watch me walk away from that. Um, I was driving like four hours each way, or no, two hours there, two hours back. So four hours round trip. Um, at your internship? At that internship. It was also as equally soul crushing. So <laughs> I, I had to decide what am I going to do? And I just thought, okay, I might not know everything. I'm not claiming to be a genius after design school and being an intern, but I want to try this. I just want to see what I can do on my own. And so I started my company, Runstead Interiors, three years ago. Um, and it did happen to coincide with my husband and I buying our house, um, a really cute Spanish bungalow. Um, Super cute. And... It just let me work on projects in my home while taking on client work. And it's, I, I mean, there's been ups and downs, but it still has been something that I could not imagine being at a cubicle anymore and, and still being as happy as I am now doing what I'm doing. Well, I think that was very brave of both of us. Pat on the back. Yeah, I pat you <laughs> on the back from afar. Um, so did you say, okay, where you live and who you live with and stuff? I didn't. <laughs> I live, I live in, um, I mean, it's greater Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is freaking gigantic. Uh, mm -hmm. So I live uh, near Long Beach, California, which is like at the Southern end of LA County, the Northern end of Orange County. Um, I live with uh, my husband, whose name is also Sean, which makes it super cutesy, but also super annoying at the same time. Is it spelled the same? It's spelled the same, right? No, he's spelled S-E-A-N and I'm S-H-A-U-N. Okay. Well, that helps. Um, yeah, that helps. It's only, it's only weird on the phone with people. If we're like on speakerphone, his parents will use my middle name or his middle name so we can make sure that we know who people are talking to. But in day-to-day -day life, it's really not a thing at all. Um, but yeah, we're like really close to my family who live live here also, my nephew. I mean, it really is like, it just worked out to be the right time, the right place, the right home for all of us. And then the world stopped. <laughs> <laughs> We all got into the perfect place, which is good. I mean, I am grateful to be in a safe place and a home I love during this crazy Absolutely. time. Yeah, I, we lived in a condo before we lived here. I could never have imagined 
going through this living in that condo like with yeah, 120 other are, families a lot of people are dealing with it it's crazy exactly it's i have we have we both are fortunate that we have yard space and home office space and zones i mean you're you're in a totally different situation than me right now because your daughter is also right there with you at every moment and you've gone in yeah you're not only having to be a hundred percent full-time stay-at-home mom housewife caregiver you're still running your business i just have uh two dogs to worry about and everybody else could fend for themselves if they had to <laughs> i'm i'm in training to um teach my daughter all the survival techniques really for me to survive yes. like laundry yeah. dishes i was saying last night to someone that my goal when this is over is that she knows how to make the perfect cup of coffee <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if she could bring it on a tray at, yeah. you know, 7 a.m. or something, that'd be even better. But it'd just be great for her to fold her own laundry. Yeah. Skills. <laughs> so I think so, we talked about... Go ahead. You're... I mean, this is a weird... We're obviously in a very weird sort of microcosm of the world right now. But outside of what's happening in the news, in the world, um, maybe like rewind to two weeks ago, three weeks ago even, what did, what does your company look like? How are you handling everything at that point? It's totally different now, which we're hoping is just sort of this knee-jerk reaction that happens, but what did it look like or what does it look like in your company? Yeah, so a couple months ago, I decided to move my home office into our formal living room, which was our formal dining room. So I did like this four room shuffle. So we moved around a bunch of different rooms because this space was just this formal dining room we were only using a few times a year and it's the best room in the house. So I officially moved it. All my stuff here. Um, I had have one studio manager part time and one design assistant part time. I had just built that team literally two months ago. So it's so agonizing. It took me a long time to kind of be brave enough to do it like I have a little bit of PTSD from my last company so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't um doing that again but I mean I don't know that I was smart about it I guess it was just painful to not do that so <laughs> so right now you're going it solo but you normally have three of you that are helping with client projects and things like that. Yes. So like my okay. ideal situation is that I can be like the big picture person and the ideas and the creative and I can have help keeping things going and um, the ad admins part of it. I did not have a are career you in banking. Not... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not claiming to be the best at it, but I do... I mean, I can rock a spreadsheet so hard. Like, I... I do love a I, spreadsheet. I love keeping track of details. I love knowing a lot of information. I, I like things to be organized to a point where I can keep track of anything at one moment. But I also would love to not do that and to get that, like, mental bandwidth back. Um, I, I've got a pretty solid like process that I would love to bring in help, but obviously right now is not the time. Um, but I think a really good future episode would be talking about how there are other options if you can't bring people into your business. Um, Full time, and we can yeah. talk about 
Yeah, we can talk about how we've used other services like virtual assistants or procurement assistants and people like that to help. Um, are you, and you're only doing, or no, you're not. You've done some like quasi-residential spaces too, haven't you? Like not- Commercial? Not commercial, but they're, they're office oh. spaces. I mean, we're not talking restaurants or hospitality necessarily, but. No, um, yeah, I have a Pilates studio that I'm working on now. Um, so I'm mostly residential. And then, yeah, I'll do like some facelift stuff for commercial, but yeah, I'm not getting into crazy codes and plans like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if, there, if there's anything that design school taught me about commercial design is just how, how complex it is, how process driven it is, how detailed it is. Also, there's so much liability in it that makes it crazy ridiculous if you are not if you are not good at following up on everything and you don't know if an upholstery fabric is fire rated and that is right. the sofa that catches on fire lord help you like you just have to know what you're getting into and um it's definitely not for the faint of heart i would i do just residential but i would and i don't mean just residential like it's a bad thing but i that doesn't mean that i wouldn't I don't have dreams of what I think a super cool coffee shop would look like in my neighborhood or yeah, I feel like you'd be good at what a boutique myself. hotel in Palm Springs would be like <gasps> I would love to do that stuff let's do it yeah in my head I am I create little mood boards and Pinterest boards for like dream projects um just after seeing like an empty property places like I just in my head, I explore those ideas because I think it's fun to say, ooh, what if that little storefront was this little sandwich shop or a general store or like, I just, I don't know. Um, I want to, I want to see communities grow and good design just makes things so much better. And um, where I am, it's sort of, we're slightly removed from the like hustle and bustle of greater Los Angeles and West West LA, Beverly Hills, all those neighborhoods. Um, but people still want those things in their neighborhoods that make it feel like a destination. So I'm doing right. residential nothing, now, but that doesn't mean that I couldn't than, do more. There's nothing sadder than somebody investing all this money into their little commercial shop or coffee shop. And if they had just made some alternative choices, even oh, girl, at especially the same lighting. budget. Oh, lighting. None of us look hey. good in fluorescent lighting. If I'm no. going to sit in your restaurant and eat a meal, it cannot have fluorescent lighting over the table blinding me. I just, that could be a whole episode where we could just, here's our advice for restaurants or bars or other, I mean, we could just lay it out of like, it's not hard, but good design really does make a difference. Yeah, maybe we'll be helpful because restaurants need some help right now. Legit. Um, I think that talks a little bit about like wh how, like where we're coming from and what we do. And you have this personality where you're you seem to be pretty flexible correct me if i'm wrong but <laughs> what where is that <laughs> yeah. where does that come from okay so like i love a good personality quiz um <laughs> um we have a little list of things to talk about so i am a virgo my birthday's in september but i think i'm not always like I'm not like the neat freak Virgo. Okay. I am also an Enneagram seven, which means I'm the enthusiast. So I love myself a shiny object to be distracted by. And <laughs> um, I'm always looking for that new, new and something to plan. And like, that's where my big picture stuff comes in. Um, I'm really good at getting things like launched but not always the best follow-through person so 
but that's why you've got like people in your in your company exactly. to help you with that follow-up exactly people that excel there are what I need but I'm um I'd say I'm an introvert I don't know sometimes there's a another term omnivert I think where you're kind of a little bit of both um but I definitely think I'm more on the introverted side. I refuel alone, which is partly why this whole quarantine thing is hard. Because um, you are not getting any alone time right now. Not a lot. I mean, my husband's still working, so but when he gets home, then I do just bail, <laughs> hide somewhere. But yeah, I definitely need that for sure and you've done the Gretchen Rubin four tendencies test right I've talked about this with you before I don't think I have so there's four tendencies oh you haven't taken this one. Oh, you need to take this one it's so gonna it, have to be a follow-up one yeah so it's um been really helpful to me in my work style um it's her perspective is what your motivations are whether they're internal or external and okay. um, like there's four different ones. So the, um, I can't think of the name. I am a rebel, which means I'm not vo motivated internally or externally. So it's not great. <laughs> like, so I can't make myself <laughs> do something, but neither can anyone else. So okay. um, I have to be motivated by like more identity and things that I, like bigger picture things that I want to be versus okay. someone who the most common is an obliger who they're motivated externally by other people but not internally so they can get someone to, if somebody expects something out of them they will get it done an upholder is you might be an upholder um you're motivated internally and externally so you're great like your boss can tell you that they need something and you'll get it done you decide you want to run a marathon, you start tomorrow. Like upholders, like get it done. Um, and then the third one or last one, I guess, is the questioner. Maybe you're a questioner. My husband's a questioner and that's, you are only motivated by internal expectations and you will research, research, work, research, and you decide if it's something you're gonna act on. Oh, that's a lot of me thing. right there. Yeah, that's probably more what you are. That's a lot of me right there. I've, these have some, they're, okay, so personality tests are, are interesting or assessments because there's so many of them and there are definitely some overlap and there's another one. We should like swap and do a, do like a book club with each other separately. Of, I'll, I'll look at the four tendencies if you look at Strength Finder. Um, well, which I did, I did that during my, my banking years. And it's a fascinating look at what are your strengths, who you should work with, what other strength, you know, profiles are helpful for you. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be that's, I mean, these all kind of have those, those common features. But um, the most important thing is what, what's your Hogwarts house? <laughs> I, I like did not want to do this because <laughs> you mean, have you read the couple. books? Oh yeah. Okay. And okay. I'm a Slytherin. But why are you saying that in a bad way? Because I'm a Slytherin and I totally feel evil. that in my bones. You do? No, there are evil Slytherins, but they are not all evil. I mean, out of Did we that meet any good school, ones? What do you mean? Like, I are there other, the like, books. other good Slytherins? Yeah, in the books, were there, wasn't there, there was a girl that was, I think. Nape turns out to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, Tonks. Oh, she was a Slytherin? She was like the funky purple pretty, hair. Pretty sure. I'm going to hear so much from the fandom of this that I, I'm not like <laughs> whipping out names right now. Um, All right. But I feel like there's something in it when you look at like truly who they are. Like, I mean, arguably Draco Malfoy 
is not as bad as everyone wanted to believe. Like, yeah, and he's like lives in an abusive household. I think there is sort of this push and pull uh, on Slytherins, and what I like about Slytherins and that I feel shows up constantly in maybe both of our personalities is this resourcefulness, this ambition, um, a cleverness, like a, a level of tenacity that comes with, um, particularly you see it when you are running a business of, okay, that's not working. How are we going to do that? Okay. Let's pull I see in some this. dark arts. How do I, yeah. How do I achieve that without all of these other problems? And I think that's something that you see a lot of in Slytherins. Um, I will just say out of all of the Slytherins out there, we don't know, we don't hear the names of so many of them. So they can't all be out there causing evil. Like just, there were so many students and we never even learned their names in House Slytherin. Okay. So there's some good people out there. Um, I am an Enneagram 8. I'm the challenger. Um, not in a, like, domineering way, but I am, I am very self-confident. I, when I've researched enough, I don't have a problem making a decision, standing by it. Um, I'm not confrontational, but I definitely do not back down from standing up for what I know is right, what I know is true. Uh, I think that comes out a lot in my business where I want my clients to do something the right way one time instead of the wrong way once and then mm -hmm. the right way one time. I really feel, um, I feel strongly about things. I don't, I don't make any apologizes, any apologies for that with anybody. Um, but I'll still admit when I'm wrong, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not too proud to bring those things up. And maybe that part of that is that my, my wing on being on my type eight is the, the helper type two, where I still care about people. Um, I'm still generous. I want people to be happy. Um, and that kind of lines up with like I'm a Sagittarius, so I'm I definitely am a little bit more philosophical than some other people. Um, I to the point where, where sometimes it will paralyze me that I will keep thinking about an idea too long, and I'll think about all the what ifs. Uh, but I'm I I tend to lean towards being optimistic, being hopeful, um, honest, maybe brutally honest with some people. In gay culture, we refer to that as when you read someone, and we can spend a lot of time on that, but I'm not afraid to read someone for something silly, stupid, dumb. I will find a funny way of doing it, but don't let the humor fool you. There is definitely a critique in there. There is definitely somewhere to go with it, and humor is just the way to wrap it and make it feel a little bit easier to, to handle. I sent you that meme the other day that, um... I think sums you up as an eight. I'm trying to stop being <laughs> mean, but it's like y'all have to stop being stupid first. Feel <laughs> seen by that. That I want to help Not your you. Your father's stupid. Yes, like I, I will educate. I will give you background. I'll help you get information. I, for my clients, I want to be their advocate, but I can only advocate for you if you let me. Um, and I strongly believe in that, that that's something I did in my banking career when I was helping to train employees or coach them. And I, I am still living that every single day that like, I will help you. I am totally on board. I will be with you. I will be your ride or die till the end. But if you don't want the help, I am not, I'm not here for that. I will, bye girl. So Rebecca, in that same sense that there's things that I've done in my previous career that still bleed over now. Do you have stuff that you constantly find that you go back to from your previous experiences that are helping you as a designer right now? Totally. Um, I mean, 
it always helps having a marketing background that mm -hmm. will help any business. Um, and I think it's definitely set me up faster for a little bit more success than if I hadn't had it. Um, and just having graphic design skills like that totally just helps make everything like feel packaged. You but, are whipping stuff out left and right. Like someone <laughs> needs, we need a shape for that. We need to update a presentation. We need a, sh a one sheet. You're like so quick on it. Yeah. And the problem with that is that it's, it's hard to um, offload it. Like I can't hire somebody necessarily that knows all the software. So unless they're a graphic designer, which is not what I need in my business. So sometimes so you're the chief marketing officer. Yeah, but I also don't need to be the page layout person. So I got to like lower my expectations on it a little bit. I feel that. Which is okay. Um, and just, I worked with clients for a long time um, as a, another service based business. So I definitely learned how to read clients, interact with them, sell an idea and a concept that definitely overlapped. Yeah, there's a lot of commonality between that graphic design marketing background and what we do as designers every day because we are still selling as much as we want it to be about function. And it, it is really about aesthetics and a lifestyle. And some of these are like ambiguous ideas that if you don't know how to present it to someone or yeah, how you to paint a picture. Yeah, and it goes all the way down to the page layout on a presentation. So mm -hmm. it's it's super valuable. I think. Um, How about you? So much of what we do is running the business itself, and I think I've always got my eye on. Does this make sense? Is this efficient? Am I doing this in a way that that works? Um, and that's sort of that critical lens that came with working in that business and banking background is learning how to respectfully challenge the status quo. So I'm not often looking to every other designer to like mimic what they're doing or how they're running their business. But I do find myself asking, is that adaptable? Could that be changed to fit something how would that look if it fit into my model? Um, and I think that's something that in competitive, large businesses, they are constantly thinking about where they fit into the landscape with their marketing, their branding, all of that. Very little of what I get to do every day or even what you get to do is the actual creative work. It's right. running a business, running a sound business that isn't taking on undue risk, I'm huge on disclosures, which if you've ever done anything at a bank, you know, they love some disclosures. <laughs> um, and I've kind of streamlined that in a way that it's not so bulky, but it makes sense for my clients of, I don't let clients go into anything with their, with their eyes closed. I make sure that they understand the risks, the possibilities, the limitations of a material or an application. Um, I think that feeds really well into what we do every day of, I'm not even recommending this for you because it's not going to fit with the lifestyle and the way you manage things. I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not going to recommend marble countertops to the family that leaves spilled coffee on the counter when they're rushing out to get ready in the mornings. Like, and I think that speaks to that, that thought process of planning through everything we do. Yeah, and I think you're like really good at processes from that, from like being in a corporate environment, like with structure, a lot of structure. I think that comes through yeah. in the way you work, yeah. which I think is really helpful for clients. I think so. I don't want to take the, like, I don't want to zap the fun out of a room, you know, but um, I'm definitely not going to let somebody do something that wouldn't be right for them. Um, so yeah, there's still the fun stuff, the sexy stuff, the cool parts of design with mood boards and materials and floor plans but um i think the behind the scenes is all working really smoothly and efficiently which is probably why i'm really not jumping on 
bringing in anyone else yet because I don't, I'm not ready yet, but I also don't, things are running so efficiently that I'm not necessarily in need of someone to jump in yet. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. This is the time of COVID-19 though. Like we're all at home. The skill sets that we've been using up until now may be very different over the next couple of weeks and months. And we don't know what the future's going to hold. I think right now designers need to be adaptive, flexible, keep your confidence. I know that we're all shaken behind the scenes, but there's still going to be demand out there. We just don't know what it's going to look like. So if we focus on being nimble with our businesses and what we do, I still think that there is so much good in store. And being present. I mean, I had a Instagram talk with another designer the other day, like I was feeling down, like I said, but her thought is that everyone's sitting there, sitting at home right now, staring at the things they hate about their house, the <laughs> things that aren't working well, and people right. are not really pulling the trigger on anything, but once everything's a little more stable, they're going to come and be ready to make shit happen. 100. So I think, I think it's important that we just, you know, take care of ourselves, but just stay in presence of um, our community and our audiences. And my kind of goal with all of this is just to be helpful. And I say that a lot. Um, I want to be helpful to just people as people, like, here's some low-key stuff I'm doing with my kid all day. Here's how I managed to get a, go about <laughs> the day and not just watch movies all the time. Um, or like I'm trying to do more content around um, interior stuff, like things to think about, ways to be helpful. Here's some paint ideas for your space. Show me your room that you want an idea on. And I'm doing like really super lo-fi Instagram <laughs> paint jobs. For sure. I saw those and I thought it's such a cool idea because sometimes people just need the spark to get, to get it moving. And it's such a small commitment from you that could be so transformative for families right now who are staring at their houses. They just don't know what to do. And they want that reassurance that it's okay. It's not an indulgence. Like It's okay to invest in something, even if it's small for your house, that makes you happy. Totally. One person did it. She painted her door because I suggested her. it. Yeah. She just had stuff in her garage and she made it happen, which made the Damn. whole space change. So that's fun. So okay. yeah, I think being helpful. I hope that that idea resonates and just kind of sticks with people. And I don't know, just kind of try to keep my face in the, in the gram. Yeah, I think um, there is, there are a lot of people right now watching Instagram, looking at the videos, looking at the content, reading, they're taking even more time. I feel like engagement has changed even on mine of People are actually reading captions and taking a lot more time to comment because they have a little bit more time to do that or they're looking for some sense of escape. And um, I think it's been fascinating to watch so many other designers in the last few weeks put their faces on the screen, get in front of people. Uh, and I think that in future shows, I mean, we're not going to make um, coronavirus a central topic of what we're doing, but... I think it's going to be easy for us to talk about photo shoots when we can finally start bringing a lot of people back in. We can start talking about what to expect during professional photo shoots, um, our, our separate design processes, and we can talk mm -hmm. about what it looked like before and what it looks like now if they continue to change and adapt. Um, I mean, there's so much we can talk about. Yeah, um, I, I think we'll have guests speakers or guest, guest um, interviews once in a while, like maybe we'll interview our husbands and you can hear how they feel about 
I'm gonna get some popcorn to hear what they have to say about unedited. I mean, look, we can always edit out whatever we don't like that they're saying, but I mean, they're not the only spouses of designers out there. And um, I don't know, maybe other designers will want their spouses to hear what what our husbands have to say about living with us (sighs) and our businesses. Mine just delivered some stuff to a client, so he wants a tip. Oh, okay. (laughs) So dang, all right. How have you done? Um, Yeah, but we'll talk about stuff like our marketing processes, our our the press ideas that we have. um, Mm -hmm. You know, or and I'm this is one that I see a lot of designers asking about. I'm going to talk about it, especially in LA. It comes up a lot for whatever reason is custom work and we'll add in some stuff on that because I just feel like there's so much value in looking at having things custom made for your clients and we definitely can break down the myths and the mystery about some of that um yeah definitely you've done a lot and taught me stuff about it yeah what do you want to do next week on our episode so I brought it up earlier. I think we should talk about the one room challenge. Um, a lot of people probably don't even know what that is. So it's very of the moment it's because it's very... not got moved off to start at the beginning of May. So yeah, so it'll the spring event will kick off May sixth or seventh for guest designers, twenty twenty, and um, it's been pretty like career and life changing for me so and that's how we met so I think we both have a lot to talk about and reasons for doing it so yeah I think we could dive into that I think that will be that will be fun and get us something to since we have a big project to look forward to with that definitely definitely um I think that is a nice way to build on what we're both working on because we are both stuck at home and this is a great time to work on some of those projects around the house so we'll we'll have some new stuff in store for listeners next week about the one room challenge um and if if you guys already have questions on your mind rebecca i know it was not easy for you to get enough time by yourself right now uh without your daughter uh right in front of you um, so thanks for setting aside some time. We did our first episode of our podcast. Yay, we did it. Yeah, I'm starting to hear pitter-patter of little feet coming in. Um, I'm so excited. Okay, well, we're going to do this again next week. And next week, new topics. I'll talk to you like five times a day anyway. <laughs> I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. Is this, is this welcoming? Okay. <laughs> I feel really connected to you right now. Yes. Okay, like talking out. into uh, a can with a string, like <laughs> with each other. Yeah, I know.